Welcome to the Long Island Abundant Life Church English Ministry Sermon Archive. This message, delivered on April 14, 2013, is about being families of the Word. If you please turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 4 through 9. And when you, uh, when you get there in your Bible, could you please stand? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You can be seated. <clears throat> now, uh, last week, Pastor House started us off, and we are starting a sermon series for three months on Christian families. And so, as we are um, starting today, we want to focus in on something a little different. Last week, he gave us a really good introduction that he talked about the reason that God gives us families and um, some of the things that families are called to do in the language of love and families, the different roles that we have. He gave us a really good introduction. But today I want to uh, start us out and I want to talk about this. And we're going to have to give some introduction here uh, as we're reading from the Old Testament. But um, just to summarize, if, you, if Cindy, if you could put that up there at the next slide. Um, when we're talking about families and Christian families, being a Christian family means being first and foremost of all, being a family of God's word. That as we talk about what makes us different than other families, there's a lot of things that it could be. You know, It could be that we're nice to each other, but other families are nice to each other. It could be that you know, we sing songs together, but other families could sing. I don't know. You know there's, there could be a million things you could point out and say, this is what makes us different. But really, the one that it really truly comes down to is this, is that being a Christian family means being a family of God's word, that your authority is grounded in the Word of God, in the Bible. And we're going to go into that a little more deeply. But as we are, are talking about this, um, we want to look at this passage. And uh, I want to give you some context here and help you to understand a little bit how um, this command given to Israel is in a situation that is in some ways very similar to ours. In some ways, it's different. So Israel is, um, has been in slavery in Egypt and they are purchased by God. And you guys, maybe you've seen Prince of Egypt or the Ten Commandments, you know, whatever. You, you probably, a lot of you know this story, that they are in Egypt, they are purchased out by God, they're brought out of slavery, and they are wandering in the desert. And we have this book, Deuteronomy, that's given to them. And, and what happens in this book is that they've been given a law in the book of Exodus, this kind of covenant, this contract with God, um, a constitution almost, in the book of Exodus. But before they go into the promised land, they, um, they send in spies and they say, God, we don't trust you. We don't believe that you can bring us into this land. And so they wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. And, and all of the families, all of the parents die out. <clears throat> and we have a younger generation coming up. And as they enter the land, we have this book, uh, Deuteronomy, that's given. It's for all this younger generation that maybe they don't know the thing that was told to the parents. Or they don't remember and so God gives them this book. He says, you're going into the land now. It's going to tell you a lot of different things to do. And it particularly says, if you do the things that are contained in this book, you will thrive in the land. 
and things will go well with you. If you do not, ultimately you will be kicked out of the land. And so what we have here is a people, a group of people, that we think of Israel like, yes, they have this really close relationship with God, and they do. But in this case, this is a people that doesn't really know God very well at this point. You know, they've been in slavery in Egypt. They're probably, a lot of them, much more familiar with the Egyptian gods. Or they've been wandering around in the desert, and they've seen God work. But maybe they, they just don't really know him. They haven't pursued this deep relationship. And so God says, I'm going to give you a lot of things to do. I'm going to give you my word to understand how you should live in this land. And then we have this statement here. It's called the great Shema. Hear, O Israel, the great hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And this famous passage that we know really well that Jesus quotes, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and all your might. But then it says these other things. It gives them suggestions for what to do. And I want to say that, okay, we're not Israel. We're not this nation. But when we reach the New Testament, we have God calling people who are not Jewish in a special way. In the book of Acts, it starts to talk about people in, uh, who are not Jewish, and it says, God has called them, in Acts chapter 15, God has called a people for himself from the Gentiles. And so it starts to call people who are not Jewish God's people too. And then um, we also have in Acts 2.42, I want to look at this just a second, if you could turn there with me, Acts 2.42, um, some further affirmation about what people in the New Testament, not just, not just Jewish people, but the ch- God's church in the New Testament um, was doing in reference to this as well. <clears throat> it says in Acts 2.42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread, prayer. And so you see these four things that are, are really pulled out and called out from um, what the people are doing. And it says that they were devoted to teaching from God's word and to fellowship. To, to eating together, breaking bread, to prayer, all of these things, okay? But I, I want to focus here for a second on this second part that it says. It gives um, particularly these different directions. The beginning is, your Lord, your God is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Okay? This is given to Israel, but we have God's word, okay? That we've talked about this before, that God did not just plop us down here, did not create us and say, okay, guys, figure it out. Figure out who I am. He has given his word to his church, to his people, to know who he is. That we can see his character, we can see who he is, and we can see how we should live in light of that, particularly in the New Testament. There's a lot of that. Okay, So um, he gives this word to Israel, and I think that this is a good word for us, too, as we think about families says um, a couple different uh, commands. Teach them diligently to your children. <clears throat> talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Basically, talk about these commands. Talk about God's word constantly. Bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. You write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Okay, so... Um, I want us to get a picture of this, because I don't think most of us do this. And before you guys get all worried, like, what's he doing to these Bibles? Um, a lot of you know a lot of these Bibles are pretty badly beat up. And so we're going to try and uh, fix some of these. So don't, I'm not disrespecting God's word in any way. So just know that, because these are set to be uh, fixed soon anyway. 
So uh, it says to bind them as uh, on your hand. So I'm going to bind this on my hand and try not to rip out all of my arm hair in the process. So here we go. I think I need help. Someone want to assist me? Johnny? This is your one chance to duct tape your pastor. Just wrap it around there. This is difficult. Okay, maybe uh, we'll try this again. The next one's going to be even worse, so just prepare yourself for this. Um, I'll just hold it. <laughs> it says bind it as frontlets um, between your eyes. Okay? So. <clears throat> Please don't get it in my hair. Kind of do it backwards, okay? Man. Ooh, that's tight. Okay. There we go. Uh, and uh, we're not going to duct tape this last one. Okay? We'll just pretend. We'll just put it there. Um, <clears throat> Now, if I, if I were to do this, to uh, bind it on my hand, to, to put it as a, a frontlet between my eyes, uh, what are you going to notice about this? Okay? You're going to notice that I am very aware at all times of, of, uh, of God's work. Okay? And um, as, even as we enter our house, uh, actually, I want to, you know, this is kind of silly, right? This looks really silly, and if I walked around like this, I don't know if I would still be in this church. <laughs> you guys would be a little concerned about me, right? But um, there, are, there are groups of Jews today, and I'm not meaning to poke fun at them or in any way, but uh, if we could go to the next slide, that they actually still do this. They take this command very, very literally, okay? Um, if we can, yeah, bring up that next slide. Yes? No? Okay, there we go. Um, that, I don't know if you can see that, but that guy has a, a little box on his head. It's called a phylactery. In it contains these words from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And if you can go to the next one, there's another, there's another picture too. Uh, it's probably going to fade in. Yeah, there we go. Uh, kind of dark, but he's also got the same thing. If we can go to that last one as well. Uh, I don't know if you can see on the doorpost, really small there, is, uh, is a little scroll. And so there are these groups of Jews that take this command very literally. And what's the point behind this? Why does God say this? As I said, like, if you were really walking around like this, and, and yeah, maybe they have like this, these little boxes, and you start to forget about it. But the point is, God says, this needs to be in front of you at all times. It needs to be with you at all times. And let me tell you, if I walked around church the rest of the day like this, not only would you look at me very strangely, but I would be very aware at all times that God's word was very near to me. Now, maybe I would start to get used to it. 
maybe I would forget that it was there. But it's always there. The point is, it's here. It's here. It's on your door. You go into your house. You go out from your house. It's going to be there at all times. And that's not, okay, I'm going to try and take this off now. If I scream in pain like a girl. Thanks, Johnny. Um, God wants this to be in front of them at all times. He wants them to remember. Wow, you tied this tight. (laughs) God wants them to remember at all times what is going on, who is in charge, what these commands are. And he says, do not forget. Well, we know from the history of the Bible, from the rest of the Old Testament, that they do forget. Okay? And we, just like Israel, we live in a a day, in an age, where people look and they say, where is God? We don't know God. How can we know God? And he says, this is what you should do. As a people, as my people, be people of the word. And we've talked about many times before that traditionally Christians have been known as people of song and people of the word. Two really interesting things that Christians have always been known as a religion that sings um, for joy and also as people of the word, people of the book, uh, even they've been called. So um, the question is, what does this mean for us, this big introduction and talking about all this stuff? What does this mean for us as families, as Christian families? What does it mean to be a family of the word? And first of all, I want, if you have uh, your bulletin, you have the, uh, the outline in there, I want... I have, uh, the first point is called families and the family of God. Because maybe you're here and you're like, well, I'm, I'm like single. I'm not really living with my family. I, you know, like I don't have a family in a traditional sense. Or maybe you're a teenager. You know, we have a lot of teenagers in here, college students or, or after. Maybe you come from a family that just seems so broken that you don't even know what to do about it. Okay? Now, this is for everyone. Maybe you're here even today and you're like, I don't believe any of this stuff. I don't, why would I want to be a person of God's word? And I'm not going to say to you, yeah, like, just, uh, just do it anyway. Um, I do think that God's word has principles that will be very helpful and very useful to you as we continue to go through this sermon series talking about communication and conflict resolution and a lot of different things that God's word says. There are useful things in here, but right now, primarily, I'm talking to you people, uh, families who say, we want to be a Christian family. What does that mean? Well, I want to say, first of all, if you're, you're not in the group that you would say, and you think about yourself, yeah, we're a family. We don't really think about ourselves that way. That, um, because it said, families in the family of God. That we, if you are, are single or, you know, you have a situation that just is not what you would usually think about as a family, I want to encourage you to think of, of yourself as being part of the family of God. That these things are still true. That in Ephesians 2.19 it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So even if you don't have a family, or your family is not here, we're your family. This is the family of God. You've been adopted in. If you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have been adopted into this family. And these things still apply. They apply maybe a little differently. Not maybe in the way we traditionally think about families. But when we're talking about all this stuff over the next couple months, I don't want you to sit here and be like, wow, I feel really left out. I feel like I shouldn't even be here because, you know, I don't really have a family in the way that they're talking about it. Yes, you do. If you are a follower of Jesus and you're here today, you do have a family, and we are that family. 
Maybe your family is broken, as I've said before. It just seems like you just don't even know where to go. Like, how could this ever possibly apply to our family? Because it's so messed up. We're your family, okay? And Jesus seeks and saves the lost. He heals the broken. And this is possible, okay? So I want to deal with kind of what I think, what I consider to be two points here in this passage that God is saying, you know, with the binding and, and all this stuff. He says two things. The word in our hearts, and in our minds. It says, what should you do, first of all? Teach the words, teach God's words diligently to your children. And I think the second part of this sentence really tells us how to do that. Teach it diligently to your children. How? Talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Well, what, what other time is there, okay? It's like, you're sitting down, talk about God's word. Talk about these commandments. He's saying to Israel, and, and when you're walking, you're going for a walk, you're walking to work, you're walk, you know, whatever you're doing, driving to school, talk about them. When you lie down, before you go to bed at night, talk about God's word. When you rise in the morning, talk about God's word. And, and we were pushing back, we're like, wow, that seems a little excessive. And I'm saying, yeah, that's the point. Okay? If it seems excessive to you, you've totally and completely understood it because God called Israel to do this because he knew if they didn't do it that they would stray and they didn't do it and they strayed. And so God says, put this commandment before you all the time. Put this word that I've given you that you can know me, you can know how to live. Put it before you at all times. When you sit, when you walk, when you stand, when you go to sleep, when you wake up, it should always be. That's why I say being a Christian family means first and foremost What sets us apart? We are people who know, who love God's word, who seek it. Why? Because in God's word, we find him. Is God's word just this book printed in English on these pages? No. It is is knowledge of him that is given to us. It can be shared verbally. It's not just contained in this little book that maybe you look at and you think, wow, it's really boring, or I just don't know what's in there. Search it, seek it, and it says you will find God here. You will know him. Okay, so it says, uh, bind it as a sign on your hand, as frontlets between your eyes. Um, Basically saying this should always be on your lips, and it should always be in front of you somewhere. So what does this mean? What does this mean in our families, in our lives? And I think first and foremost, as we, uh, oh, there's duct tape on me still. As we talk about this subject, as we think about this, personally, it means in your own life, reading the Bible, and as we've talked about before, meditating on it. Is that, and I don't mean like um, Eastern meditation, where the goal is emptying your mind. And uh, in the Bible, when it talks about meditation, it means filling your mind. Like taking a verse or a chapter and reading it in the morning and turning it over in your mind all day, Remembering, thinking about all the different aspects, what they mean for your life, and remembering it. And so first and foremost, if you're going to be talking about it all the time, you have to be in it. You have to know it. You have to be thinking about it yourself. Okay? That's, that's uh, what I consider to be the easy one, the hard one. Number two, and this is maybe not what I would consider, you know, like straight from the Bible, but culturally, we need to get past our cultural conditioning and our need for worthless and meaningless small talk. When we come here, 
and, and we talk about like the weather or sports or TV, you know, those things are great. God gives us gifts to enjoy, to be thankful about. But it doesn't say, and you shall talk about sports when you sit in your house and when you rise up, when you walk along the way and when you go to sleep. And when, you know, like, I don't know what it is with you. But when we get together, and I, I grew up in church, and I didn't believe any of it for a very long time, but I grew up in church. I know what it's like. And I know that there's something in us that we come here, and it's really hard to talk about the things of God. And that seems so weird and silly in a lot of ways, because we're in church. We know we share this. But how many of us have actually just taken the time to sit down and, and be recently and be like, What's God doing in your life? Or this happened. You know, if we're in a group and, like, we say, let's sit in a circle and I'll share. Yeah, then we do it. But even then, sometimes we struggle. But we need to get past this, like, need to talk about things that don't matter and get to the things that do matter. Because it says, talk of it. Teach it diligently to your children. Maybe you don't have children, okay? That's okay. This still applies. Talk of it when you rise up, when you lay down when you are walking, when you're sitting. This should be a part of your life in everything. That when you face a trial in your family, you say, what does the Bible speak about this? How can we get through this in God's word? When something else, you're rejoicing in your life. You know how the Bible says to rejoice. That you're facing a decision, you don't know what to do. You go to the word first. Okay, That's what this is about. It means talking about it. Like, so simple, but so hard. It says, do this. Speak of it. And when I say this, I mean in our families, at your house, and here. This, if, if you're coming here and you know, you're single or whatever, you say, the church is your family, we, even more so, this needs to be a place where we are joyfully sharing about God's word, reflecting on it, what God is doing in our lives, and getting past this, this need to avoid it because we don't want to talk about things that are serious. We have to talk about things that are serious. We have to reflect upon this. Okay? And um, I think the third point here means uh, kind of summarizing what I've said. And when it says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. Now, I said some Jewish groups have taken that very, very literally, that they actually wear boxes on their, their arms and they're actually binding the word of God to these places. I think what this means here is that it should be always a part of your life and everything. And if I can paraphrase, like rephrase this a little bit, I would say that it means building your life, your lives, your family life around God and his word. Not about jobs or school or standard of living or whatever it is. You know, when you think about it, when you stop and think about it, and this is maybe my homework assignment for you today, to go home and think, what is it that we as a family or, or I as a person live my life around, build my life around? What controls my decisions when I make a choice for something? What is it? Do I move a job because I want to make more money? Why are we moving our house? You know, why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? Why am I investing this much time in these tasks? Why? Why? Let's just ask why. In everything, ask why. Because I think what this is saying here is that when it says, put this always in front of you, is that you should be building your life around this. Okay? That it's always in front of you. You're always seeing it. You're always speaking it. 
It's always on your heart and mind. And that changes things drastically. And I want you, and I hope you do believe that, but I want you to believe how much that can change things. Because I'm saying this, and I think that most of us can look at this and say, that's not my family. If I were going to characterize my family, it would not be in this way. You know, I think most, most people are going to say that. Maybe you could say, we're trying. I think that's great. You need, we need to be trying. But this is what's given to us. Say, let's do this. Let us be characterized by these things. Or if we go to that passage in Acts, by you know, the teaching of the word, of breaking bread together, of prayer, what characterizes our lives? That was what characterized their lives. And what does that passage say? And every day, more and more were added to their number. Okay? People were coming to God. How were they coming to God? Why were they coming to God? Because the people of God were building their lives around Jesus. They were building their lives around this stuff. It wasn't like, let's build our lives around what we want, and then we'll go to church extra. It was about this. Their lives were devoted to this mission, to this man who was God, who died and purchased them and rose again. And with his power, the power of his resurrection is putting the Holy Spirit in them. Their lives were devoted to that. Why? Because it was worth it. It was absolutely and totally, completely worth it. And they realized that. And they lived it. And every day, people were coming to know Jesus because they saw a difference. Because they saw that those people value these things. They value God. They value God's word. They sit under teaching of it, and it changes their lives. So I want to encourage you to think about that. The word, at last I have the word in our lives. And I think I'm going to say this just a little extra, and maybe it's a little bit of a stretch, but the, the putting it on the doorpost. I want to suggest that that's not only for those families, but it's for other people as well. That um, when it says put it on your doorpost, yeah, when they go in, when they go out, when they see it, then, then they're going to see it, right? But also people who walk by that house are going to see that. And, and I want to say that this is more than just about our families. When we devote our our lives to the Word of God, to knowing God, and build our lives around Him, it's more than just about our own family. It's about other families seeing that. And that's what I was just talking about in Acts chapter 2. That so many more were added because people were showing this. It wasn't something they were hiding. They said, we believe in God, we believe in His Word, and we're going to live it. Okay? So I think that's what we're calling to. So application. So we wrap this up a little bit. This is... Just like last week, it was a little bit of an introduction. This is, in a lot of ways, an introduction. We're going to flesh this out a little bit more um, in the weeks to come. But as we we look at this, I I want to kind of focus in on a couple groups. Um, And the first one is young people, because we have a lot of young people here. Whether or not, well, maybe you're a youth or or you're still living with your parents, whatever. But the point is, you're not a parent. You don't have um, kids. I want to talk to you because we have a lot of you here. What does this mean for you? Maybe you're, you're talking about, or we're talking about this and you're thinking, how, what, what do I do about this? Okay? And I'm going to suggest that, first of all, that you need to go talk to your parents and say, look, I really think that we need to integrate, use the word integrate, they'll be very impressed. <laughs> um, we need to bring the Bible into our lives. We need to make it a part of our lives. We need to start to center our lives around God. And I want to really encourage you to encourage them to take the leadership, to come to them and say, you know, I think this is something that our family's really been missing. 
and I think we should do it. Encourage them to take the leadership. And, and you know, maybe they're not going to, but I want to just encourage you to keep going at it, to keep suggesting it. And if it doesn't happen, then to be a good example in your own life of standing on God's word personally, of studying it, of knowing it, and, and just keep suggesting and say, I think this needs to be a part of our family life. It really does. That we need to do this together because that makes it different. It makes it important. Okay? Um, so, so maybe you're single, um, that you're not married or you're, you're away, you know, like you're at school here or something like that. What does this mean for you? Um, I don't know if you live alone or I don't know what the situation is, but I'm going to suggest to you if you live with some roommates and, and they're Christian roommates, that you should treat those people as your family. And together, you do this. You study God's word together. You make it a part of your life together. And I know that sometimes it can be like in and out, and you're living all these separate lives. And I'm going to encourage you to not do that. Don't live separate lives. Come together. Come and gather around God's word. And I think you'll be really surprised how quickly it becomes a part of your lives together, how close you become through that. I don't know how many of you are in that situation, but maybe you are. I just want to suggest that to you. Or maybe you, you, do, you live alone or, you know, this situation, that wouldn't really work for you. Then make it a priority to be here in the family of God and to participate in those things. To make it a, a foundational part of your life by being here a lot in a, in a place that you can share that with other people. Because this is so important to do by ourselves, but it's so, so important to do together too. To value together. Okay? And um, the last one. As I said before, a family that maybe you look at this and you're like, I just don't see how God can do anything in our family because it is so messed up. You know, um, Pastor Howe talked last week that, you know, in our country, the state that the family is in is, is really bad. I mean, you look at the statistics, and for a long time it's been real bad, really, really bad. And so maybe you're, you're listening to this today and you're like, I just don't even see how this could ever work how we can ever get out of the place where we are right now. And I, would, I, I want to encourage you in particular. I said it before. Jesus seeks and saves the lost. He heals the broken, and it is possible. It is possible, and I do think that if you devote yourself to this, it will happen, that Jesus can heal this. That you devote yourselves to this, you seek help, that it is possible for this to be healed, to be fixed, that you can be a family of God. But you have to have the desire first. You have to seek it out and to believe that Jesus can fix this. You look at it and you're like, I just don't even understand how this could ever, ever be fixed. Um, Coming from a personal standpoint, um, not a family. I felt like that was my life um, before I came to know God. That that was my life. And, And let me tell you, I've seen it happen. Maybe we don't see it happen enough that we don't believe it. But Jesus does seek and save the lost. He does fix and heal the things that are broken. And he does it in an amazing way because he has so much power. 